0: Week two of our series called If You're Not Ready, You're Perfect. I think there's this lie that's been said in culture, church culture, uh, that says you got to get everything put together before you can follow God. We've actually even heard it before from people, uh, and you may have too, like, oh, I can't start coming to church until I get this taken care of, or until I get this right in my life, or I need to get over this addiction, or I need to fix this thing before I can come to church. And it's just not true. That's not how the scripture even shows. That's not even how Jesus led people. Uh, he, it's not this get everything put together and then you can be used by God. As a matter of fact, uh, you see a great s- illustration of this uh, from Jesus where the tax collectors were the worst of the worst. They were the worst of their kind. I mean, you're talking like the New Testament mob. They were just crooked, dirty people, so much so that they couldn't even give testimony in courtrooms because they just weren't to be believed. And they were just, I mean, they were the low of the low, the worst of the worst. Modern day, they would be Ohio State fans. I mean, that's like what we would consider them to be. Uh, So just the worst kind that you could think of. And truth about this is Jesus walks up to one of them and says, Hey, uh, why don't you come follow me? Why don't you do what I do? Why don't you come be a part of what I'm doing? And everybody kind of loses it. The religious people are like, are you kidding me? Because the religious people were like, everything's got to be perfect. The Pharisees, everybody said, this is how you keep order. This is how you do all this stuff. And Jesus was like, hey, come on, let's do this thing. Why? Because Jesus knew, hey, if you are a person who's committed to following me, the rest will work itself out. Enough spent time, enough time spent seeking me and putting me first and being on this journey with me. All the rest will come together in my presence. Amen. And so we have this idea that's just so wrong of like, no, I got to get it first before I can follow God. And it's just not true. And so we're going to spend some time the next couple of weeks looking at what does it mean to be somebody who you may not be ready, but God says you're perfect and he wants to use you and he wants to uh, do a great work here in our communities through you. Amen. Are you ready for that? Yeah. So here's the deal. Uh, the number one all time selling book, Uh, In all of America, that's nonfiction. The number one nonfiction book, all-time selling, is actually written by a pastor named Rick Warren. And the book is called The Purpose Driven Life. So I'll say it again. The number one all-time selling nonfiction book in the United States is called The Purpose Driven Life. Why? Because Americans are asking this question, what is my purpose here? What is this all about? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be involved in? What am I supposed to give my time to? What is my purpose? Because we've all gotten cars and it didn't satisfy. We've all gotten a home. We've all made it to the team. We've all got this job. We've all done these certain things that we thought would make us feel fulfilled and have purpose. And then we've, we've felt void after that. Why? Because there's only one purpose that matters and it's the purpose of what God created you to do which as we alluded to earlier is to worship and to bring glory to his kingdom and to advance what he's called us here to do on earth. Amen. And so we have this purpose. What is this purpose? And so we all have this idea of like, what's my purpose? And the scripture actually tells us that we have this thing called a spiritual gift. Jesus doesn't just say like, Hey, I put you there. You know, God's like, "Ah, I put you there on earth and you got to figure it out. Uh, No, he comes and he taught us ways of like, Hey, don't live like that. Instead, live like this because it's better. Everybody says, oh, Christianity is so full of rules. Well, the Bible actually has more promises for your life than it does rules. And it was said like this, like, hey, don't do it like that. That's not good. It's better if you do it like this. If if this promise, if you live this way, it's a better result. It's going to help you in your purpose. And so the Bible actually says that we have these spiritual gifts that God's given us all gifts to be used to do what? To discover our purpose and to make a difference here. If I pulled this whole room and I said, hey, who wants to make the world a better place? All of us would say, yeah, me, me, me. I want to be a part of that. Well, what is that? That's using those giftings that God gave you to make the world a better place. And what's awesome for us as Christians, is as as we use our gifts to make the world a better place, when we do it in his name, it brings him glory. It's like a double win. Amen. The scripture says, or or, I love this saying, it actually comes from a pastor in Chicago uh, at the Willow Creek Church. He says that he believes the body of Christ is the hope of the world because we're the body of Christ. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to use you to go out, be my hands, feet, to spread my love. And so the body of Christ is the hope of the world. It's not the government. It's not a system. It's not a structure. It's not Apple. They're close, but it's not. (laughs) The hope of the world is the body of Christ. It's me and you. Amen. It's love and action. It's us being what God called us to be. It's us using our gifts and laying down our lives for somebody else. That's the hope of the world, living the way God called us to live. And so I thought about this. You and me, we each have a supply. You have a gift and you have a gift and you have a gift. You have a supply. And when our supplies come together at a place like this and the body of Christ comes together in unity, we all bring our our supply the will of God gets accomplished in our communities. You actually see it happen in the book of Acts. The scripture says in the book of Acts, which is the birth of the church, it said that they came together and some brought this and some brought that and they all came together and they saw effectiveness in their communities. Why? Because we're all called to bring our gifts together and change the world. And it's okay if you don't feel ready. You're perfect because God wants to use you and make a difference with you. Amen? And so I just believe that we can be that. And the, the troubling part is I also believe this to be true, that if you don't use your gifts and if we don't do what God called us to do and if we don't discover our purpose, I believe that people will miss being, will miss being reached for the kingdom of God. You see in scripture, uh, Peter, the scripture says, was assigned to the Jews and Paul was assigned to the Gentiles. And there are times that in your life you are assigned to make a difference with certain people. That's why you have that one person at your job that's bugging you. And you have that one person at your other thing that's this. Why? Because you have an assignment to make a difference in their life. God has gifted you to make a difference there. Amen. And so we, it's important that we find our gifts. It's important that we live out the obedient way that God called us to. God made us different with different styles and different preferences and different ways of living uh, and different ways that we see the world. But what's awesome about it, he made us different so that when we come together, we have all perspective. Amen? You guys can quiet down a little bit. I'm trying to (laughs) preach, and you're really shouting me down with the amens. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Normally, I preach a little bit more. I'm going to teach a little bit more uh, today because we have quite a bit of scripture, and I really want you to see this. But Romans 12, 3, it says, But I say to every one of you, Through the grace given to me, not to have an over-high opinion of himself, but to have wise thoughts as God has given to everyone a measure of faith. Verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Having then gifts different according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Here's what the bottom part of this scripture says. It says that you have been gifted and graced by God. If all you need to hear today, if all that connects with you in this whole sermon is if you get up every day and you say, I understand that today I've been gifted and graced by God for today. Whatever I got to participate in, whatever God put in front of me, I have a confidence knowing that God gifted me and graced me for everything I'm going to face today. Wouldn't it be easier to make decisions? Wouldn't it be easier to reach out to somebody if in the back of your mind you knew you were a card-carrying, gifted grace person? Like, oh, I can handle this because I'm in the club. The gifted grace club. I got this. But seriously, that's what the word says about you. It says we're all different. We're all in different places. We all have different backgrounds. We all have things. But when we come together, it works really great. And just remember, you're gifted and you're graced for all of this. You have what you need. If you don't feel ready, you're perfect because you're gifted and you're graced to make a difference. You're not gifted in grace to sit back because that's the part on the scripture we wish we could cut off. It says that you having gifts different according to the grace that is given to us. Then it says, let us use them. It didn't say store them, preserve them, coddle them. It says, use them. We got to do something with this. The word says tomorrow's promise to no man. We gotta take what we've been graced and what what we've been gifted in, and we gotta go out and do something with it. We gotta get strategic. We gotta make order. We gotta ask God how we wanna be used. And then we gotta go out and do it. Amen. And so you're graced and you're gifted. Just remember that. You're gifted and you're graced for what God puts in front of you. When we when you became a part of a church or when you said yes to God and you started following him, you joined an incredible family. And in that family, is Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic. We all come together under the lordship of Jesus. Amen? He's the head, but we're a body that makes up all different kinds of parts, and we all have different functions. And the scripture says Jesus is the head, and it says we make up the rest. We're the movement, we're the body of Christ in action. What the world, when the world sees us, it should see Jesus. I know that makes for good Christian songs and that makes for good Christian bumper stickers. But when the body of Christ works together under the headship of Jesus, they should see Jesus. So we all have to be together functioning in our gifts. Uh, We get real caught up. And this is why a lot of people end up either not using their gifts or pursuing their gifts or, or stepping out into their gifts. And it happens a lot like this. It's because we see visible gifts, the things that you see, as the most important gifts. Well the preacher he's preaching the sermon and he's in front of everybody surely that's the most important gifting happening. Or so oh that person's leading worship and they're leading us in song and we're worshiping surely that visible gift is the most important gift. But I would actually argue about my body even I could lose a thumb. I could I could lose visible parts. I could lose an ear or a thumb. I could lose an arm and a a hand. I could lose those kinds of things. But when you start talking about losing some internal parts, I can't get very far without my brain. I've seen some people try. (laughs) You can't get very far without a heart. Some of those internal behind the scenes, some of those heartbeat things that make up the blood of the body, those are critical. And many of us go, well, my gift isn't visible and it's not that important. And I would argue with you, some of the behind the scenes is more important than the visible. I thought about it here for this Sunday. This Sunday right here, what you see me preaching is not the most important thing that happened today. The most important thing that actually started to happen was stuff you didn't see. The middle of the week. When people gave up their time in the middle of the week. With all of their schedule and all of the things they have going. And they came up here and started cutting out crafts for kids. And they're cutting the projects and they're getting all the papers ready for what? For a child to come through these doors and hear the message of God for the first time in their life. The pages and the stories of Jesus for the first time being told to them because somebody came in during the week and gave of themselves and used their gift to cut crafts. More important than preaching. Somebody got here by 6 a.m. They started their day on their day off today at 6 a.m. to come here and open doors and set up chairs and put packets in place, non-visible to any of you. You wouldn't know who they are. But they said, this is my gift and this is my call and I'm going to do it with all my passion and I'm going to make a way for people to receive Jesus. Eternity is changed most of the time by some non-visible happenings. Amen? Same thing in our own personal lives. We think what people see on Sunday and how you present yourself at church or how you present yourself at school, you think those visible things are some of the, the, the ways that you really model God the best. But I might even argue one of the best ways that you model God is when people don't even see you. Your prayer closet, what you do at home, how you steward your resources. When you look at your, uh, your income and you say, this goes first to God and this goes, and you look at your calendar and you say, this first goes to God. Amen. Non-visible things where you put God first above self, I would argue some of those are more important than the visible things. I thought about, we're going to go watch football after service today, and you know what they don't televise? We're going to see the great touchdown, and you're going to see a great tackle, and you're going to see all of these things that make highlight reels. But none of those things would be possible without the things that weren't visible conditioning and practice and the 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 things that they do to recover their bodies and I don't mean steroids but you know what I mean like stretching and ice things and all of those things they don't televise but you wouldn't get the catch without the commitment amen and it's the same thing in the kingdom of God like we won't get the catch we won't get the score we won't get the harvest without the behind the scenes commitment without the 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 sacrificial lifestyle of saying, this has got to come first, no matter what. Quiet down for real. I mean, seriously, it's distracting. (laughs) I thought about it like this. I don't wake up every day and give thanks for my thumb. I thought, oh, my thumb's there, my pointer's there, and my ear, and I don't recognize everything. Every day I get out of bed. But if I ever hurt one of these things, you ever stub your toe, smash your thumb, something like that, all of a sudden you go say, oh my gosh. This hurts and you pay attention to it. And I believe it's the same thing about the body of Christ. Yes, you may not be noticed all the time. Yes, you may not have somebody coming along and giving thanks to you at every moment. But when you hurt and when you suffer, we all suffer. When you step out and when you say, I can't play my role and I don't want to be the leg anymore. And I want to take a season out and I want to do that. Then the body of Christ suffers. We all got to be together. When you miss, we miss. Amen. So I brought three key strategies that I think a lot of times steal from us using our gifts and and being plugged in and making a difference and contributing to the purpose that God gave us. Three things that steal from us. Number one is you can't compare yourself to other people who have a different gift than you. A lot of times we see other people with a different gift than ours and we say, oh, I wish I had that. Oh, and we compare is mine as good as that and God's using them that way but you can't compare yourself to other people who have a different gift than you. We believe this to be true about scripture. It says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. We know the scripture says you were born for such a time as this. So could it be said about you that your gift was fearfully and wonderfully made for such a time as this, your gift and what God has in your life and the way that he wants to use you was fearfully and wonderfully made for today for tomorrow, for the way that you plan your schedule, all of it was put together for you to do incredible things. I know you're not ready, but you're perfect because you're fearfully and wonderfully made for such a time as this. Amen. Number two, don't compete with other people who have the same gift as you. What happens is many times we see somebody in the same, pastors do it all the time. We're looking at what that church did and what that church did. And the scripture says that God's word is a lamp unto your own your own path, your own way, whatever God called you to do. And even if somebody's walking in the same thing, don't say, well, they already have that. And they already have this. You walk the path that God called you to walk the road revealed by God to you. Amen. And then what I see happen too in this is, uh, we do this. We don't believe God's for bet God's best. We just believe for good enough to be at least as good as somebody else. So God's best in your gift isn't just get to the point that it's the best of what's around you. You got to get all that God has for you when it comes to your gift. Because a lot of times we say, well, everybody else is serving this much and everybody else is doing this. And I just, you know, let's just do like what everybody else is doing. And we lower the bar instead of saying, I want to do what God created me to do and be. And so don't compare your gift to others who have the same gift. You need to live it out the way God called you to live it out. Amen. Number three, don't criticize other people's gifts. It's good that we're different. It's a shame to me that uh, this church picks on this kind of church, and this church, and they pick on this kind of pastor, and everybody's at each other. It's good that we're different. Uh, I thought about it like this. Uh, I've really been challenged in this statement. Uh, I forget who it came from. I think a guy named Kerry Newhoff has a podcast, but he said, uh, he said, you don't win a war with the same weapon, or you don't go to war with the same weapon. And basically what it means is this, uh, you're calling to eliminate the enemy, you're called to take out. And so what happens is you call an airstrike and you call a ground attack. And it's saying like, you don't make everybody a tank. The goal isn't, hey, we're going to war, everyone gets a tank. No, you got to have diversity. You got to come by air, you got to come by land, you got to come by sea. You got to come by all these different things. Why? Because the, the the more diverse you are, the more effective you can be. So I think it's okay in the church when we all love God and we all hold true to scripture. I'm not talking about, you know, getting off the word of God, but I'm saying when we all hold true, it's okay if they do it with a little bit of different flavor than this one over here and they do. we all got to come together. We need each other to eliminate darkness. We we all have to bring our gifts together. Amen. So you don't win a war with the same weapon. First Corinthians twelve fourteen, It says, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not the body? In verse 16. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not the body? Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, then where would be the smelling? So the scripture is saying it's good that we're different. We need all kinds. I need your perspective. I need your background. We need, we, we need all to come together. We all can't be the same thing. Amen. So verse 17, it says, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You may not be ready, but you're perfect because he put you where, you where he wants you. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. It's good that we all come together because we make up one body. And I'll say it about this body. This body of Christ here, this church, this body that, make, that we make up, when something hurts in our body, we help it. When something, helps in my, when something hurts in my body, I tend to it. I pay attention to it. I give it care. How much more so in the church body, when somebody comes in hurting, we should tend to it and care to it and give it attention. Isn't it sad that when hurting people come to churches, most of the time their experience is rejection. They come in hurting, they come in needing help, and a lot of times we ignore. We need to be a body that gives attention to the parts that are hurting. Hebrews chapter 16, verse 21, in the New Living Translation, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. So Jesus lays out the mission, the plan of God, what's going to happen, the call of God. He lays that out and Peter rebukes it and says, no, this is not going to happen. We're not going to, this isn't going to take place. In verse 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind, or you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So here's the story, paraphrased. The call of God, the plan of God, the destiny of God is one thing. And Peter says out of his human concern, no, no. We don't want to participate in that. We don't want to be a part of that. We're not going to allow that to happen. It misses the call. And Jesus says, no, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. Why? Because the scripture said he had human concern in front of the concern of God. He had human concern in front of the concerns of God or God's kingdom. I wonder about our lives as foolish as Peter looks having human concern in front of the concern of God. I I wonder about our lives if we actually do the same thing. We get the call of God and we hear the plan and God speaks to us about what we should be doing and what we should be giving and how we should be participating and how we should be serving. And God lays it out. And then we say, no, no. Because we have our human concern in mind instead of the concern of God. I hope none of us do that, right? God calls you to speak to somebody at a store, and you go, oh, but I would feel this way about it. And so we don't do it. Instead of having the concern of God about reaching out and loving somebody and praying for somebody. Amen? Amen. I believe the scripture, and it goes on here, it says this in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, human concern, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for me will find it. Find what? Purpose. What you're looking for all along. What we're all trying to buy in a book we're trying to find. How do you find it? By giving your life to something. By using your gift for somebody else. Amen? Eliminate human concern is take up your cross. Eliminate human concern. It works like this. Human concern works like this. God, I know you've called me to this but my decision-making process goes like this. How will it affect my money? How will it affect my time? God, I know you've called me to this and the God concern, you've called me into it, but how will it affect my reputation? What do I gain from this? God, I know you've called me to this, but my human concern is saying, what do I get from it? And it says, eliminate that, take up your cross, lose your life for him, and you'll find your purpose. Amen. Jesus said this, he said, you can do greater things than what I've done. Raise the dead, heal the sick, all these amazing things he did. But you know what else I believe? I believe a lot of times we get caught up with thinking, oh, we're going to do greater things. And we think that's walking on water and parting a sea and all of these big extravagant ministry moments. But I've come to find that most of the doing greater things and doing the things with God alongside God is answering the call to the drug addict in the middle of the night when he's bound in addiction and you just stick with him and you encourage him and you pick him up every time they fall. Or when uh, the teenager who continues to bottom feed just so that she can be accepted, you continue to put your life on the line and be there for her. That's a lot of times what doing greater and, and doing the works of God is, is it's just us laying down our lives, our time, our self, our resources to be there for those. Amen. First Corinthians nine nineteen says, "For though I was free from all men, I made myself a servant to all, so that more might have salvation." How do more get salvation? By us serving, by us being people who use our gifts to love others. Verse twenty three, and I do all things for the cause of the good news, so that I may have part in it. You get to be a part of the good news. You want to be someone who changes the world? Be a part of the good news. Lay down your life, serve, pick up a cause, something you can make a difference for the community, amen? Galatians 5, verse 13 says, for you, brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh or human concern, but through love, serve one another. We are here to serve and reach and love people. Discipleship is spelled one way, T-I-M-E, time. It's giving ourselves to somebody. It's time. It's being there. It's laying your life down on the line. It's being there for those that are hard to be there for. I get all these people complaining about the next generation. Well, these young people, these teenagers, and they're complaining about the next generation. When's the last time you took someone from that generation out to lunch and asked them questions? When's the last time you took somebody from that generation under your wing and cared for them? How are we going to change them and help them and make a difference if we ignore them? Thank you. You're getting closer. We're warming up. (laughs) and so the scripture teaches like we 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 lead by relationship and example like we don't come and give speeches he didn't say hey I've come to give a speech he said I've come to serve I didn't come to be served I came to serve and so we got to look at our lives of like all these gifts I've been graced and gifted and God has put all these things in my life for what what do we do with them how do we accomplish our purpose I'll close with this I love this saying that says, we're called to be a fountain, not a drain. I think a lot of times we make decisions like this. I'm looking at my calendar, my bank account, all of my stuff. How can I get all of that to revolve in a way that everything comes to me? I want the most time for me, the most money for me. And we always hide it under the umbrella of like most for my family and most for my kids and most for, and we always put it under a really good like padded answer, but we know it's excuses. I want all of this to spin and drain to me. And so I love this statement when it says we're called to be a fountain, not a drain. Meaning, can you get your life to spin in a way that everything that God gives you and puts in your life and actually then pours out on everybody else? Because the scripture said we're actually called to live that way, blessed to be a blessing. We don't circle things unto ourselves. We're, We're called to get it out, Amen. So Jesus showed us, hey, come with me while I, and you just advanced and you made a difference, and he used his gifts in a way that he led people. I love this statement. When you become too big to serve, you become too small to lead. When you become too big to serve, you become too small to lead. Amen? We get to this place and we just think, oh, I've arrived and I'm here and I don't need to serve, and then you can't figure out why you don't have any leadership or influence in anybody because you become too big to serve and love and connect. Amen. Here in this church, we have a tremendous amount of opportunity to reach. We believe as a church, we go from glory to glory. We got to keep going. There's more people to reach. An example here in kids ministry, just in our children's ministry, if everyone served one Sunday a month, we would need 104 people just to cover kids ministry. There's actually a classroom we'd like to open, but we don't have the people right now. So I'm encouraging you, just pray about it. Is there a place that you can connect? Is there a place that you can serve? We have ideas for ministry that we wanna do, but, but we need some more help. And so be considering, you know, what, what can you do? What, what, is there a place that human concern maybe needs to be eliminated? You're over here saying, well, what about me? What about, I'd love to serve, I'd love to help, I'd love to maybe give a little bit more. Maybe you serve once a week already, or once a month. Maybe you can go to two. Maybe you can go to three. Maybe you can make some arrangements where, it had maybe a little bit more stress, you know, maybe some more arranging. But take the human concern out of it and start thinking and asking God, God, what's your concern for my life when it comes to serving in the body? Amen? It really comes down to this. And uh, in just a few more minutes, I'll be done. But let's say, as parents, we decided as far as brushing our teeth with our kids, let's say we said, you know what? You know what we feel comfortable with you know what works for our family and our preference uh, we just decide we're only going to brush the kids teeth just three times in a week that's it and not in the morning not at night just 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 at night just three times in the whole week that's what we feel comfortable with that's what we feel called to just three times do you know that the decay continues right still still rots i'm saying this when we say as a people of god i'm comfortable with my human preference says i just want to do this much the need determines the output the need determines our reaction so we say oh i just want to do this much darkness continues to take ground everyone's so confused about how we got here as a culture, how we got here as an America, how how things got where they are. We got comfortable as Christians and we just started to say, I'm just gonna do this. And our output didn't match the need and it ran away from us. It would be just like if you were to say, I'm gonna take a trip that's 300 miles away. And that's what we're comfortable with. We're called to, uh, so 300 mile trip and you wanna put 200 miles worth of gas in it. So 300-mile trip, I feel comfortable and called to just putting, it works for our family to put 200 miles worth of gas in here. You're not going to make it to the destination because the need determines our response. So we got to look deep in ourselves and say, God, what what are you calling me to? I know you've gifted me and graced me to do this. What, What is the most that I can do? Serving in a church, serving in our community, Do you know that we have a waiting list at Kids Hope? We'll talk about it here in the next coming weeks. But throughout the school year, there's a list of kids right here in Zealand who sit on a waiting list for a mentor. Because in this high religious area, we don't have enough people to make themselves available to put down their human concern and go mentor a student who needs it. It's not okay. And I wonder if that's why the scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The need and the response, they're not matching up. I hope that's not said about our church, amen? And I just believe this, that it's in your giving that you really discover that purpose. That's why the scripture says it's better to give than receive. Because in all that, all of a sudden you find your purpose, you discover who you were made to be. Amen? So I encourage you, a couple things before you leave. We need some more help around here. We'd love to see you using your gifts, If you're already serving, pray about is there another Sunday you can squeeze out of it so that we can open up some classrooms and do some other things and be ready for the holiday season at the church and all that good stuff. And I'm actually make a deal for you. This is crazy. I can't can't believe I'm going to say this, but we'll actually let you do this. You can actually serve in a service and I'll let you worship or attend the second service. I'm serious. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's crazy. So if you're like, well, I, I like to serve, but I also like to go to church... I'm going to give you a break. I'll let you do both. It's fine. Or you can worship in the first one and serve in the second one. I'll let you get away with that. You know what? For a lifetime, lifetime deal. I'll let you do that. I'm really being, but I'm playing, but I'm being serious. You just ask God, ask God, ask God's concern, not human concern. And God will make up the rest. He'll make everything else come together.